Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. I'm not going to read all of these because we're short on time. A survey of personnel executives at 200 of the Fortune 1000 companies provided the following unbelievable but true examples of job applicant behavior. These are all in quotes when I start reading these. The reason the candidate was taking so long to respond to a question became apparent when he began to snore. When I asked the candidate to give a good example of the organizational skills she was boasting about, she said she was proud of her ability to pack her suitcase real neat for her vacations. <laughs> Why did you go to college? His reply, to party and socialize. At least he was honest. When I gave him my business card at the beginning of the interview, he immediately crumpled it and tossed it in the wastebasket. I received a resume and a letter that said that the recent high school graduate wanted to earn 25 an hour and not a nickel less. I don't believe this one, but here we go. The applicant had arranged for a pizza to be delivered to my office during a lunch hour interview. I asked him not to eat it until later. You're going on an interview at lunch. Don't have pizza delivered to the interview. That's... The applicant said she had just graduated cum laude, but she had no idea what cum laude meant. <laughs> However, she was proud of her grade point average. It was 2.1. <laughs> uh, we're skipping down, we're skipping down. The applicant applied for a customer service position, although, as he confided, he really wasn't a people person. <laughs> Without asking if I minded, he casually lit a cigar and then tossed the match onto my carpet and couldn't understand why I was upset. <laughs> the last one of these, on the phone, I had asked the candidate to bring his resume and a couple of references. He arrived with the resume <laughs> and two people. <laughs> <laughs> Listen close to this one or you won't get it. There was a Scottish tradesman, a painter called Jack, who was very interested in making a pound where he could. So he often would thin down his paint to make it go a wee bit further. As it happened, he got away with this for some time. Eventually, the Presbyterian church decided to do a big restoration job on one of their biggest churches. Jack put in a painting bid, and because his price was so competitive, he got the job. And so he set to, with a right goodwill, erecting the trestles and putting up the planks and buying the paint, and yes, I'm sorry to say, thinning it down with the turpentine. Well, Jack was up on the scaffolding, painting away, the job nearly done, when suddenly there was a horrendous clap of thunder. The sky opened and the rain poured down, washing the thin paint from all over the church and knocking Jack far off the scaffold to land on the lawn. Now, Jack was no fool. 
He knew this was a judgment from the Almighty, so he fell on his knees and cried, O oh God, forgive me, what should I do? And from the thunder a mighty voice spoke, Repaint, repaint, and thin no more. <laughs> This one is an interesting one. Two college seniors had a week of exams coming up. They decided to party instead. Their biggest exam was on Wednesday, and they showed up telling the professor that their car had broken down the night before due to a very flat tire, and they needed a bit more time to study. The professor told them that they could have another day to study. That evening, both of the boys crammed all night until they were sure that they knew just about everything. Arriving to class the next morning, each boy was told to go to two separate classrooms to take the exam. Each boy just shrugged and went off to two different parts of the building. Each sat down. They read the directions. For five points, explain the contents of an atom. For 95 points, tell me which tire it was. The lying didn't work out very well there, I'm sure, unless they got really, really lucky on the four options. The title of today's message is God Helps Those Who Help Themselves. Now, I have heard this a number of times. I'm obviously recommending don't use this line. But how many people have you talked to and you're in a situation and say, well, you know the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Let me tell you something, guys. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that anywhere. And people quote the Bible all the time and stuff that's not even in the book. The Bible nowhere says God helps those who help themselves. Now, I'll tell you what it does say and what it's pretty much about is that God helps those who can't help themselves. And it is his mercy and it is his grace and it is his love that moves him and motivates him to come to our rescue when we could do nothing, when we can do nothing, and in spite of all of our attempts, we just can't fix it. Now, there's bound to be somebody in this room, if not all of us, who are in some kind of situation where if God doesn't come through, it just isn't going to happen. And we've exhausted all of our attempts. We've exhausted all of our knowledge, all of our experience, everything we've got. And if God doesn't do something, it's just not going to happen. It could be health-wise. It could be relationship. It could be in your job. It could be financially. And you're just in a spot. And if God doesn't fix it, it just isn't going to happen. Anybody ever been there? And maybe you're there right now. I'm going to read you, and really you could almost take the Bible and close it and lay it down and drop it open and put your finger down and find somewhere where God helps those who can't help themselves. Because that's what it's about. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. It doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility but if you'll look, for instance, at every major world religion but Christianity, they're all man's attempt, any cult, any religion. If you want to tell whether something's Christianity and really of God or if it's man-made, if it's a man-made deal, it is man's attempt to reach God. If it's a God-made deal, it's God's coming to us, not an attempt. He didn't attempt it. He succeeded. It's where God said, you know what? They will never make it to me. I'll have to go to them. And he literally left heaven and came to us. And every other religion is man's attempt to reach God. All their leaders are dead and gone, didn't even claim to come back from the dead. I don't need a dead leader. 
And we've got a living Jesus who came, paid the price for our sins, lived, died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried, raised from the dead. He's conquered life. He's conquered death. He's conquered everything. And you can't do it without him. If you go look in John, I think it's chapter 15, says, without me, you can do nothing. And nothing means absolutely nothing. Now you say, well, I don't like that because I'm strong or I'm independent or I'm capable or God's given me certain things. You know what? Even the things you've got, you have because he gave them to you. And you can't do any of the things you think you can do if you don't have breath. And I can assure you that it wasn't just an alarm clock that woke you up this morning. There is no such thing as a black church, by the way, but I'm going to refer to that because culturally we've created these things. We have white churches and black churches. You can't even say that and be biblically correct. Okay? There are African-American or African people, somehow they figured this out, and I've heard them pray it, simplest prayers, God, I want to thank you for waking me up this morning. Right? And I've heard prayer after prayer start there. You know why? Because you got nothing unless you're awake. And you say, well, that's pretty obvious. Well, sometimes it's the obvious stuff we miss. And so I'm healthy. I woke myself up today. You know, I'm just going to go to work. Well, there are a lot of people didn't wake up this morning. A lot of them woke up, were sick, and didn't go to work. You know, God's blessed us all or we wouldn't be sitting here. So it's not that God helps those who help themselves. Let me tell you something. I've got times in my life, and we'll have more and have had plenty before, and some right now, that if he doesn't come through, I'm sunk. It's just not going to happen. And I'm going to read you a few of these things, and, you know, I keep saying this. I'm telling you guys, you got to read this book. Read it religiously. I'm talking about devouring it. I'm talking about reading it to feed your soul, to feed your heart, to feed your mind with stuff that's pure and holy, and that'll help you. On most of the plates, let me just double check this. <laughs> most of the plates are fairly empty. I don't see anybody sucking on carrots and then putting them back on the plate. You say, well, that sounds terrible. Well, that's what some people do to the Bible. They chew on a little verse and then spit it back out and say, well, that's all interesting, but I don't want it in me. I don't want it as a part of me. I don't want it to take over my life or get inside me anywhere. It might change me. It's more than just reading a few verses and gargling God. It's about chewing on this stuff and ingesting it, digesting it, processing it where it becomes a part of the fabric of your life. And that's going to take time. And it's going to take time to meditate on it and process it. And I'm encouraging you to do that because you're going to find this stuff. Let me just read you a few verses out of Psalms chapter 33. And there's not a bad psalm in the book, but this is a great one. I don't have time to read all of it, but let me just pick up in verse 13. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. I mean, what kind of you know, hard drive has he got? I mean, you start talking about memory. Imagine this God who's got so much memory that he knows everybody who's ever lived, ever will live. He knows from beginning to end. I mean, he knows he fashioned your heart individually. He considers all their works. Everything you do, God knows about. Everything. And there are some people in this room sneaking around doing things you think nobody knows but you. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Whatever you cover, God will uncover. Whatever you uncover, God will cover. It's going to come out. No king, listen to this, verse 16, no king is saved by the multitude of an army. 
A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, he says, look, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Who is the eye of the Lord on? People who hope in him, who look to him, who trust in him to keep them alive, even when there's a famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. You say, well, if I wait on God, nothing's going to happen. Let me tell you something. If you don't wait on God and something does happen, you're in worse trouble than if you had waited and nothing happened. And there are a lot of us that get very impatient. And you know it in your gut. And by the way, that's just a nickname for the Holy Spirit. We've created a name for the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer and you say, I had this gut feeling, just call him who he is. It's the Holy Spirit. You got somebody living inside you. And you go to take a step in this direction. This person inside of you says, we're not going over there. And your whole body just buckles and something inside of you says, ooh, this isn't a good thing. But peer pressure and everybody around you says, oh, everybody's doing it to be okay. And you take that step anyway. You are stepping into quicksand. You're in deep trouble. If the bells go off and the Holy Spirit says, stop, don't do it. But it's a great deal. It's a great house. It's a great this or that. You know what? If the Holy Spirit says, don't do it, trust him. He knows what he's talking about. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. And then I'm going to flip over just a few pages to Psalm 62. Similar kind of stuff. But these are psalms that are written in some cases by David. This Psalm 62 is by David. This guy is living this stuff. He is experiencing this stuff. He's going through trouble. He has enemies. He has people trying to kill him, literally. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. If I'm going to get saved from something, rescued from something, it's going to come from Him. There's nowhere else. He only is my rock and my salvation. Who else are you trusting in? Who else are you depending in more than God or beyond God? Now, I'm not saying don't ever trust anybody, guys, but people will fail you. I don't care how great your husband or your wife is, they can mess up. I'm not saying don't trust them. But never trust anybody more than you trust God. I told a girl yesterday, she met a guy in a relationship and things are going well and, you know, it's all sounding good. And I said, yeah, I'm not trying to disappoint you, or, but just slow down a little bit and listen to God. Don't let your heart, because I had a seminary professor tell me when the heart goes, you might as well cut the head off. And the danger is that we get emotionally involved. We get physically involved. We have all these things going. The flesh gets involved. And then God starts, he's whispering that still small voice saying, be careful, be careful. Wait, wait. Don't go over that line now. It's not time yet. Trust me, trust me. We say, oh, yeah, God, you know all that. But, oh, look how good this is. Woo, let's go. Let's try this. <laughs> Come on, you're going to love it, God. Come on. <laughs> He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. And the other word for this is strong tower. You climb up into this deal and you're in a strong, safe place from the enemy and what he's trying to do. I shall not be greatly moved or shaken. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, he says, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. 
They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Everybody like that? They have flowery things to say about you outside, but in their heart, they're cursing you. How many of y'all do that? (laughs) Oh, we'll get an honest one down here. Let's stop and have prayer for her. (laughs) Verse 5. If you ever talk to yourself, we have the privilege here of reading these prayers, these psalms, and it's basically David talking to God and to himself. It's a very vulnerable thing to hear somebody's prayers, but he says here, my soul, he's talking to himself, my soul, wait silently for God alone. Wait for God alone. That doesn't mean by yourself. It means him alone, only him. Wait for him alone. Don't go till you hear a yes from him. You say, but I'm impatient. But has it gotten you anywhere in the past by being impatient? Has doing it my way or your way gotten you anywhere in the past? Then say, you know what? It's not working. Why don't I slow down this time and double check this thing and see if it's safe and see if God's really in it. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He said it before, he's saying it again. He only. And he's almost reminding himself. There's nobody that's my rock and nobody's my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Trust in him at all times, you people. All the time. I'm going to tell you what happens to me. I get rocking along and I'm doing good and I'm feeling good and I'm trusting God and it's all very exciting and then I get used to that. And then I start getting a little complacent and it just, you start to drift a little bit. You stop pedaling. You just coast a little bit. And you start going, what's happened? Where'd the fire go? Why is this feeling? This doesn't feel the same. God, where'd you go? He said, I didn't go anywhere. You're just pursuing other things more than me. You found other loves beside me. You've gotten distracted. I'm right here. And all of a sudden, you start getting hungry for God. You start feeling empty. You don't spend time in His Word. Your soul starts feeling famished. And you say, i got to read something. i got to get back into this. I'm missing something. Something's wrong. So you go back to Him. And He says here, trust in Him at all times. Not every once in a while, but all the times. Pour out your heart before Him. Sometimes he's the last place we go. We go tell all our friends, all our problems, cry to ourselves, go to God, go to him at all times, pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. Don't try to oppress people, don't try to steal stuff. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And what a tremendous distraction this is in our country. We make a little more money, we get a little more comfortable, and we go, wow, look, I got all this money. I got this portfolio. I'm set. You better not be set because of portfolio. You better be set because of Jesus, or you're not set. Verse 11, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. God has all the power you need and all the power to do anything you need done. But you got to go to him. you got to trust him. And most of us need mercy. And that's how that chapter closes, talking about mercy. When it says God helps those who help themselves, you know what? It's just not true. 
and you fall before God and you say, God, you know what I've done, you know where I've been, you know who I am, and I've gotten myself in this fix and I can't get myself out. And I may go down again later, but I got nowhere else to go but you. And I don't want to keep coming and going away, coming and going away. I want to come and stay. But if I go down again, I thank you that there is mercy, that there is grace, that you do love me, that you do care about me. And you've got a plan and a purpose and you've put these things in my heart, at least the good things in my heart. And I want to come and I want to stay with you and walk with you and talk with you and be consistent in this relationship. But I'm telling you, God, I am helpless. I am hopeless without you. And I'm one of those people that you've got to help God because I can't help myself. Richard Ellis will return in a moment to wrap up today's talk with a few final words. But first, I want to share some important information about the program. The reason we do this is to share with you the good news. When you open your heart and life to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that's the beginning point of the most amazing journey you'll ever experience. But it's also a journey that we want to join with you. So if you've been on this road for a while or just getting started, let us know how we can help. Maybe you've got some questions, stuck in neutral, or even wondering how to take the next breath. We're here. Give us a call at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. We're here to celebrate with you too. So if this program has made a difference to you and encouraged you in any way, tell us about it. Let's keep this conversation going by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also send us an email through our website, richardellistalks.com. That would really make our day to know how Richard's talks have helped you. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or email us through the website richardellistalks.com. And speaking of the messages, you can find today's talk along with every message from Richard at our website richardellistalks.com. Finally, we really believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute to this ministry by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. We would be so grateful for your gifts. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Let's pray. And our Father, I thank you for your word, for these men long ago who have written these things that are so transparent, vulnerable, that you've provided for us, and we feel the same way many times. And Lord, you know how desperately we need you, and some listening to this message today, Father, it isn't about getting it just through life, it's about getting it through eternity. And they know that something's wrong, and they've tried to help themselves all along the way and thinking that would get you to help them. But Father, I pray they would just, in a moment like this, say, God, I can't help myself. Every attempt I've made to earn your love and your forgiveness and your mercy has failed, it's empty, it's vain. And I come today and I tell you that I can't help myself, but I ask you to help me. I cry out to you. I throw myself at your mercy and your grace. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to give me a new life between here and heaven, but also an eternal life in the hereafter. And I ask you, Lord, to take my sin, forgive me of all my sin, give me a clean slate, a new beginning, a new life, make me a new person from the inside out. And let me experience the hope and the peace, the joy, the love, all these things that I've seen in other people and only heard about and read in a book, but I want to know them personally. And Father, for anyone else 
who's tried to do it their own way, trust in money, job, position, a relationship, whatever they've put their faith in, Lord, beyond you, their ultimate trust, something to save them or be the rock that they stand on, Lord. I pray today that we would repent, that we would change our minds and say, God, I'm humiliated, I feel stupid, I've been proud, and I know better, but I also don't want to be stupid when I know I can go home, and I don't. So, Father, I come humbly before you, and I yield my life to your life and my will to your will, and I tell you that I need your help to wake me up in the morning, to live in and through me each and every day, and then to provide eternal life beyond this life. We thank you, God, for being so kind to us, for being so merciful, and for your grace that you genuinely care about us and you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And that's what we want to discover, not our plan, but yours. So help us, we pray, for your sake, ours, and everybody else's. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.